0: Okay, we're doing a study, short summertime study to finish out the summer in the appearances of God when God appeared to man. We did Moses on the mountain with fire and oh wow, all kinds of stuff as Moses walked up into the fire and asked if he could see God. We saw that last week. That was a very impressive appearance of God. Now we go to Isaiah chapter 6 for the next appearance that we're going to look at tonight. Isaiah chapter 6 and we have here an appearance of God that we're going to look at to Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet. We'll look at a little bit about him in a minute so we'll know who we're talking about. Um, In chapter 6, we have where God appeared to Isaiah, and nobody knows how this happens. We don't know whether God just took him up to heaven and said, here, look at this, whether he took his spirit up to heaven, uh, whether he even went to heaven. Whether God just came down and opened the window and said, here, look at this. We don't know that. We can't tell exactly how it happened. And the people who happened to couldn't tell. Paul said, I went up to the third heaven. We didn't know there was a third one, okay? <laughs> Paul said, I went up to the third heaven, and he said, I don't know whether I was in my body or not. I can't even tell. And so uh, when God wanted to appear, we're not sure what it happened. Is it a vision? Uh, did he take him up and show him? Uh, and and so we're going to look at this <coughs> appearance of God, but there's a purpose in it. We want to look at it. And in this uh passage there's amazing contrasts they're kind of shocking it puts god outside of our way of thinking and and we're studying about god we're trying to understand him trying to know more about him and the more we know feels like the less we know all right, the more we get into it, they'll the, the think, wow, I don't, I can't quite imagine how this works. And so, we're going to read just a little portion, then we're going to get into what he says and uh, try to figure out what's going on. All right, so Isaiah chapter six, this will be our central passage. We're going to flip around a little. <clears throat> chapter six, verse one In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, and we 're going to stop right there all right, and so he says, I want to tell you when this happened, when I had the sighting of God, he said it was the year that King Uzziah died now let 's go back to second chronicles you got first, second Samuel, first, second kings. 1st and 2nd Chronicles. We've got 2nd Chronicles, chapter 26, almost at the end of it. And we have here a record of King Uzziah. U-Z-Z-I-A-H. And I want to read a little bit about him because there's something very drastic that happened. And Isaiah mentions this because it's not just, All right, on this date, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. But there's something that happened. Let's see what it is. All right. Chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles, verse 3. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. That's as long as anybody. His mother's name was also Jecoliah of Jerusalem. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And so, 52 years as king is a long time, and he does very well. His record is outstanding; he does well. But then something happened. Down to verse 16. <clears throat> But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God, went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. All right, so in the temple, and we're going to have to look at this tonight several times, we have two sections. This is the Holy of Holies, and they only go in there once a year, and the Ark of the Covenant is in the Holy of Holies. Alright? This is called the Holy Place, and there's three things there. Uh, there's a table, and there's 12 loaves of bread on it, called show bread. 12 loaves of bread over here it is a candlestick. Alright? And that's lit all the time. And up here, there's a little altar. And his purpose of the altar is to burn incense. And so, the only people that can go in here are priests. You have to be a priest to go in here. The other people going there once a year are the high priest. He's the highest one. He can go in the Holy of Holies once a year. All right. But the priests are only allowed in there. And so, Uzziah He's of the family of David, so he's of the tribe of Judah. That's the ruling tribe, all right? Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, because he's going to be the king, too, all right? So he's of the tribe of Judah, Uzziah. So he's not allowed to go and burn incense. But he's thinking to himself, I kind of got myself together. I'm the king. I think I'm going to go burn some incense. Verse 17. Azariah the priest went in after him, with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. So it was eighty of them going after him. And they withstood Uzziah the king, said unto him, Appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but to the priests, the son of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. And Uzziah was wroth. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. He's got a little uh, pot with fire in it. He's going to go and put incense on there, light it on fire. While he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. So God strikes him with leprosy, and that would turn his skin all white. All right, 20. Azariah the chief priest and all the people looked upon him. Behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Aziah the king was a leper to the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. And so... This guy, he's got 50, actually 48 years, great job, does very well, ruler over Israel. And then it's four years before he dies, he decides, well, I'm doing so good I can do a priest job. Walks in, God strikes him with leprosy. So here's a man with a great record, perf- almost a perfect record, and he dies in a leper house. They take him out, He's, because he has leprosy, he, he can't go to the temple, he can't go anywhere anymore. He's cut off from society, and then he dies. And so, it's a pretty sad case, and we go back to Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, well, what made that happen? Because he went into the temple where he's not allowed to be. And he's struck with leprosy, dies four years later. All right. And so uh, he says something bad happened. King Isaiah died. Why? Because he went in to the holy place where he wasn't allowed to go. All right. So think about that. Keep that in your mind. All right? Why did he die? Because he went into the temple where he wasn't allowed to go. All right. No. in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And so, we have a vision of God on a throne. And so he sees God sitting on his throne, which the throne of God is heaven. That's where heaven is. It's called even in places the throne of God. It's the dimension that was created by God for his throne, where he rules from that place. And he said, in the temple, right, what do we got? The Holy of Holies. In the holy place, he said, I saw God sitting on a temple and his train, well, he's got something that looks like clothes, and it goes down off the throne of God into the temple. And the thing about the temple place where he sees this is it's closed off with curtains. Alright, matter of fact they were real thick, heavy curtains. They said that if they tied the curtain to two teams of oxen they couldn't rip it. They tried to pull it apart they couldn't rip it. That's why everybody was so stunned when how, what happened? It ripped in half when Jesus died. Alright, very strong symbolism there. But So this is supposed to be out of sight, and Isaiah is looking in there. You can see in the temple. So if Isaiah got leprosy from going in there, how come Isaiah can see in there? See, it's a contrast. They we say, well, he's telling me, Isaiah died. He was our king. Now, uh, let's go back to chapter 1 of Isaiah. Chapter 1 of Isaiah. Maybe Isaiah's got the right to go in there. Chapter 1 of Isaiah and look at something. Verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And so he has a long time where he ministers as a prophet. And he goes through these four kings. We know Uzziah was king for 52 years. It was a long time, all right? These other fellows had shorter reigns than that, but he's still prophet through all those times. Chronologically, where are you going to put him in the Bible? Well, you go to the little prophets, Hosea. You know the order, right? Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Alright? And so if Isaiah was chronologically there, he'd be after Obadiah. So it would be Hosea would be one of the first prophets. Uh, In the beginning God spoke through Moses. Later on you get to the book of Judges and God speaks to people uh, by giving them power to overcome their enemies. They're not really prophets, but they are. So in a way, people like Gideon and Samson overcome their enemies through the power of God. And then, uh, along comes the time of prophets, where God's speaking to a person and telling them, "You give a message to the people." And Isaiah is one of those. All right, and he's he his uh, ministry goes a long time. Now let's see what happens here. In verse 2 chapter 1. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people doth not consider. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backwards. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. He's talking about the nation of Israel. Sounds like they're a mess, doesn't it? He said, you're sick in the head. You're sick in the head. And the reason, he says, is Israel doth not consider God. Six, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. And so the nation of Israel is ignoring God. He says, an ox knows who feeds him, and a dumb ass can go and, and knows enough to go home, but my people won't consider that as they don't think. And most of the rebellion against God is of that nature. There are people who shake their fists they get God away from me, but most people, uh, they just never, ever, ever think about God. They spend most of their lives not thinking about God, not considering. They never turn their minds that way. They totally ignore God and act as if he doesn't exist. Now, is that rebellion? Yeah, of course that's rebellion. Okay. But they don't think of it that way because they don't think about anything. Think about what happens in their lives and what goes here and what goes there. But they don't think about God. And he's saying, now, the whole nation is in that condition. They refuse to think about God. And I'm sending Isaiah into that kind of atmosphere. And right at the point where a good king dies because he went into the temple Now, Isaiah gets to look, and who is Isaiah? Well, we think, we don't know this for sure, but we think Isaiah, we know he's of the tribe of Judah, right? Which means what? He can't go in the temple either, right? He's he's not Levi, that tribe. He's a tribe of Judah. He can't go into the temple. And we think that Uzziah who died from the leprosy, we think that was his uncle. That's what we think. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but we have historical records and things like that, and the general uh, opinion is that Isaiah was of the tribe of Judah. That is, he's a prince, all right? He's not anything to do with a priest but he comes from a princely background. And he's from the tribe of Judah. So he would have no right to go into there. And what do we find? He's looking in there. He could see in there. And he sees more than that. He sees God and a train or something that God is wearing. And I want to look at Psalm 104. Because you wonder, what's God wearing? Well, let's see what God wears anyway. Psalm number 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. So there's honor and majesty that He wears, who covers Thyself with light as a garment, who stretches out heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of His chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds His chariot, who walketh on the wings of the wind, who maketh His angel spirits His ministers, a flaming fire. All right, and so He says, God for a garment. Where's light. God uses light like a garment. Covers himself with light. All right. That's kind of pretty amazing. All right. <laughs> and so he sees God. There's no explanation of what God looks like. Why would that be? You got no words to describe it. There's nothing you can compare it to. All right. As I saw God sitting on the throne, and he wore light like a garment, and a train of it came right down into the temple. Now, in the temple here is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is a box with a larger cover on it, and there's two golden angels there, and they, they face each other with their wings like this. And their wings touch each other and they're on the top of that box. And in the middle, in this little area here, God exists in the form of light. And so in the temple, in the Ark of the Covenant on top of the box there is light there which is the presence of God as shown as light alright it's called Shekinah you may have heard that before the Shekinah glory of God that is he appears as light and he said I saw him on his throne and the light is coming down into the Holy of Holies and there is normally a light there but his train filled the temple. Right, so it's not just a little spot here on the Ark of the Covenant. This whole area is filled with majesty, and the glory of God. And that's what he sees. And let's see, verse 2, chapter 6. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And so there's some sort of angelic forms. Uh, They're called here seraphim. Uh, They're some sort of angels. We don't see them anywhere else except for here around the throne. It's the only place... We fine seraphim mentioned in the Bible um, and he says uh, they are above they are uh, standing above he says or that is they're higher up over the throne of God and they have six wings and two of the wings they use to cover their face they cover their face with two of the wings They cover their feet, or more precisely, their body, with the other with two more wings, and then they got two wings that they use to fly. And so, what are they doing? Well, when they cover their face, it's a sign of uh, respect, or probably a better word is awe. They're awe stricken before God and they can't look at Him. And so they cover their face as a matter of being bowed down. Reverence would be a good word for God. All right? Why do they cover their body? Well, they're beautiful creatures. They're beautiful creatures. And they cover their body to be humble. So when a beautiful being covers himself, you know, we say, well, if you're beautiful, show it, right? <laughs> That's what we do, right? We, well, maybe we try, okay? <laughs> but uh, these angels are beautiful creatures. The word seraphim uh, means, actually means the burning ones. They're called the burning ones, the seraphim. So they're fantastic creatures. And so they are covering their face in respect and awe of God. And they cover their bodies in humility because they wouldn't take away anything from God. And then he says they're flying with the other two wings. And that is they are there to serve God. And, And then he says go, they go so fast It's like fire. Zoom. Zoom, 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 zoom. It's like a streak of fire. All right. So they're called the burning ones. And they're floating over the throne of God, flying over. And they're not being quiet. Verse three. One cried unto another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That is, it's antiphonal. Now, if you're a musician, you may have heard of antiphonal, but maybe not. Uh, Antiphony is when somebody plays something and somebody repeats it, like a call and an answer. And so these angels, seraphim, are up there and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. Why do they say it three times? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All right, and so... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What's it like down on earth? The king just died of leprosy. All right, the king just died of leprosy. And they're wondering about his son, course, they're wondering, what, what's he gonna do? What's his son Jotham, Uzziah's son, what's he gonna do? And it's a very unstable time in Israel because there's forces coming out of the north, Assyria, a very powerful nation, and they're moving down to take over. And Egypt is coming out of the south. And right between is who? Israel. And they're really unsure that Jotham can handle this and so they're thinking the King who was here for 52 years died in disgrace and we don't know if his son can handle it and God says, here take a look at this <laughs> who's what's going on God's up there is he in control oh yes the whole earth is full of his glory there's no problem God is in control all right and so he sees these uh, creatures flying and what's it like verse four the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke all right. so uh, they hear voice and it shakes the foundation all right oh. some people say you can talk loud believe i can sing louder he can but he can't shake the foundation all right he didn't got that much as i said they shook the foundations of heaven the posts of the doors trembling at the voice so what's it like to look at that i mean all of a sudden there's the temple where you can't go, and it's filled with light and glory. And God's on his temple, and these creatures flying around him, shouting back and forth. And we think they actually sing back and forth, and they're singing back and forth, answering, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And all of a sudden, Isaiah's looking into heaven, wow, nobody's ever seen that before. Nobody's ever seen that before. And he gets to look up there and see that. And what's he think? Well, there's a contrast, of course. We always talk about the contrast here. And... uh, Here's another contrast. Verse 5. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. so God is trying to teach us something about himself through these passages. And he's trying to teach Isaiah, too. And Isaiah is learning real quick, all right? And so, when we see God, and we get a view of God like Isaiah had, and here he sees God, all of a sudden, he sees himself. Because... The names are saying, holy, holy, holy. Uh, God is pure. And God is clean and pure and holy. And as soon as you get in his presence, he says, woe is me, because I'm not. And people who really know God, all right, you really want to know God. You really get to see God. You really that is I understand something about God. I know who He is. And then you're gonna be first impressed with first and foremost that He is who He is and I am who I am and I don't add up. And so Isaiah says, I'm undone, or I'm I'm gonna die. I've seen God and as clean and pure as He is, they're up there, these beautiful creatures are shouting, He's holy, He's holy, He's holy. And here's little old me, Isaiah, and I walk in, and these angels' voices, the, and the place is shaking from the sound of the voice. And He says, What about my voice? He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. I guess the main key to our character is what comes out of our mouth. Okay? Main key. Who are you? What do you like inside? It's what comes out of your mouth. Jesus defined it perfectly. Here's what he said. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. So he says, whatever comes out of your mouth is ten times that inside of you. And if a lot of garbage comes out of your mouth, there's ten times that inside of you. Jesus said, there's an abundance in your heart, and eventually it comes out your mouth. And Isaiah said, man, the first thing I feel when I'm standing here in heaven and looking at this is I got a dirty mouth. I got a dirty mouth. And it's really impressing on me. Now, Isaiah was is the most... Stunning author in the Bible. He's the best poet in the Bible. David is a poet musician. He's wonderful. But Isaiah is by far the best poet. That is, he uses languages better than anybody else. And we can go from chapter to chapter. Turn over to chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Unto us the Son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah coming out of his mouth. All right? And we go over to chapter 11. He says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. And the knowledge of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And we go on and on. We get to chapter 40. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And go to chapter 53. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. Uh, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of all. And it goes on and on, and it gets higher and higher, higher and higher, and the language is superlative. And out of that superlative brain and mind, his own opinion, he says, I got a dirty mouth why because god is so superior god is so holy and he's shocked at the very thought of god and he th- looks at himself and he says my goodness i'm i'm a mess i'm a mess and it's a it's an interesting thing look at job Keep your finger here. Turn back to Job. Before Psalms, Job 42, almost the last chapter. Job 42. Listen to what Job says. Because... We're trying to learn about God. We're trying to get in our mind something about God, who he is. And here's kind of where we stand exactly. Verse 5, Job 42, verse 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. That's what you're doing tonight, right? We gather together, we listen, we hear, all right? But now mine eye seeth thee. Now I've gone to a higher step. I heard about God. I took that information in, but now I have a view of God. And what happens? Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I hate myself, says Job. And I'm sorry for who I am and what I've done. And so the concept... Of God here that we're getting in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah's telling us is in his heart is there's an issue between humans and God. There's an issue. The issue is sin, sin, which is in its basic form rebellion against God. Now I mentioned earlier that the people of Israel is that we're just going to ignore God. We don't really care. We're going to ignore God, keep to ourselves and ignore God and try to just uh, go on without him. (laughs) That's why Isaiah is being called, all right? But he says, if you clean up your mouth, if you see God, you get a view of God like Isaiah did, it should be cleaning up your mouth. That's where it should show. Should show in the words that come out of your mouth, all right. and that's what he's teaching us. All right, and so God has an issue with man, and the number one issue, and I was here before him, is what? Here's God, holy, power filling the temple. Everything all around is filled with the glory of God, and we're not so hot. We don't come up so well. And we are sinners in rebellion against God, and we need His help. So let's see what happens. Back to Isaiah 6, verse 5. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. That means I'm dying, basically. And that's what God said to Moses, right? If you see me, you will die. And he thinks, I'm going to die because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, this, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And so... One of these seraphims comes down to the temple. Now, outside here is the altar. The altar. And Moses and Aaron, under their leadership, they built this called the tabernacle. It was a tent. Inside are two covered tents, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Out here is an altar and a laver, a great big bowl where they wash with water. And here's where they make the sacrifices. And so when it was first built, Moses is going to do the very first sacrifice on that altar. And so he kills several animals, lays them on the altar, and just lays them there. All right. And then God sent fire from heaven. And He said, I'll light it for you. And He lights the altar. And they were supposed to keep it going forever. And they did for a long time. Same fire. All right, it's the same fire. The one that God lit, you look in Leviticus, and it'll tell you that Moses laid everything out, and the fire comes down, whoosh, there's fire on the altar. And they would feed that fire continually and carry the coals on from one location to the other and keep the altar fire going that was lit by God. And so the seraphim, because he does exactly what God tells him, Runs down, grabs a hot stone off the altar, and here, your lips are clean. I'm going to clean your lips. All right. So it's a vision, all right? He didn't burn his lips off, all right? but it's very much... Here we have the place of sacrifice because of sin. And so we're going to cleanse your lips. We're going to clean them off and we're going to fix you. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. So God says to Isaiah, you feel dirty and you are, but I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. Take away your sin. All right. And so. Uh, That's a very good thing there. And so you get unclean lips. And now a cleansed mouth. And comes the greatest prophecies in the book out of that mouth. Now, let's see what happens next. Verse 8. I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" See, He says, "For us, Father, Son, Holy Ghost." Then said I, "Here am I; send me." So God says, "I need somebody. I need somebody to be a voice." Isaiah said, I want, "Let me. I want to be the voice." And so He follows the same willingness of the seraphim who move swiftly. They fly like burning creatures to do God's will. And as soon as God says, I'm needing somebody, Isaiah speaks up. Send me. I want to go. I want to go. Do what? Do what? I'm looking for somebody. Send me. Do what? I don't know. (laughs) And that's what it is to serve the Lord. You understand that. He says, I need somebody. And you don't say, what do you want, God? That's not what you say. You say, I'm willing. I don't know what you want me to do. But I'm willing to do what you ask me to do. And there needs to come a point in our lives where we got to say that. And I remember I was in another church sitting in the back pew on a service. There was a guy there preaching up front. He wasn't a regular pastor. He was a missionary. And he said, whoever here is willing to serve God, he said, "Uh, stand up. And I stood up. And I remember thinking, I don't know why I'm standing up. I don't know what I'm offering to do, but I'm offering to do what you want me to do, whatever that is. All right? And so Isaiah, he said, I need somebody. I'll go. What are you going to do? I don't know. But I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let's see what he says. And he said, verse 9, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Ha ha ha. You didn't know God was going to say that. God said, I want you to preach and they are not going to understand. I want you to explain it and nobody will comprehend. I want you to show them, here's what it is, but they won't see it. And he says, uh, their heart is unresponsive to God. They've closed their eyes. They don't want to see. They don't want to hear. They don't want to understand. So I want you to make sure that they don't. Your mission is to tell those people and they will not understand and not hear. So how do you want to do that job? And <laughs> I I wait, wait a minute. Maybe somebody else will take that job. And what he says to him is, I want you to go and preach and nobody's going to pay any attention. Nobody's going to do what you say. Nobody's going to do anything that you suggest. They are going to totally ignore you. I want you to go do that. Well, <laughs> you want to be the least successful preacher ever. God said specifically, make sure they don't understand. Uh So, has Isaiah got a lie? No. Gonna go right up and say, "Here is what's gonna happen." So, he says, "Well, verse 11." Uh, and and said I Lord how long (laughs) well I'm not sure how long you want me to preach and nobody understands nobody pays any attention they totally ignore me how long you want me to do that and he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, they be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. All right. So what's coming? Isaiah, in the beginning of his prophecy, begins to tell people, look, Assyria is a very powerful nation and they're going to come down. And in Isaiah's lifetime, they took the northern kingdom called Israel. And Isaiah is the prophet in Judah in the southern kingdom. He said, we took that uh, uh, kingdom. Syria is very powerful. and They're going to come down and they are actually going to surround the city of Jerusalem. And when Hezekiah was king, the last one mentioned in there, they came. They gathered around, Sennacherib's army gathered around. What happened, you remember? One night, the whole army died. There was a plague, ran through the army. And one night, the entire army died. It was like, what was it, 210,000 people died overnight out there. Right? And so it wasn't Sennacherib or Assyria was going to take Jerusalem but it would be Babylon And so Isaiah said Babylon's over there and they're coming and they're going to destroy you and I'm here to tell you this until what until everybody's gone and there's nobody lives in this every house is empty every city is ruined and it's all gone and you're all off pri- prisoners in a foreign land so how you like that message the next time God says who will go and you'll want to say uh maybe not me maybe not me is Isaiah deceiving them in any way? Not at all. It's their own foolish hearts. He said they refuse to consider in chapter 1. They won't even think about God. They will not consider the thought of God in their mind. He says, so the mind is sick. There's a sickness in their mind because the thought of God comes into our mind and, and sweeps through our being and fills our souls with light and glory alright and we know God and we see God and we respond to God and we say I'm a sinner I need you God alright and that's what should have happened but that wasn't going to (coughs) happen and so what happened eventually with Isaiah is a king comes along Manasseh name is Manasseh And Manasseh built a great big old idol right in the middle of the temple here. Right outside the gate here, or inside the gate. He's got a great big old idol. (coughs) He puts it right in the temple. And then, you know, he said, I don't like that, Isaiah. He said he saw a God. That's God, the one I just set up there. So we'll get rid of Isaiah. And Manasseh had him sawed in half. They sawed him in half. Isaiah died when they sawed him in half. All right? So that's a tough way to go. A tough way to go. So you want to be a prophet? <laughs> Yes, you do, because there's one verse you didn't read yet. Let's go back, Isaiah 6, verse 13. But yet in it shall be a tenth, it shall return, shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. (coughs) He said... It's like a tree if you cut it down. And then there's still life in the roots. And so there springs up another tree. And Isaiah would describe it later when he's talking about Jesus in chapter 53. And he said, uh, there's a branch came up out of the stump. And it began to grow. And that branch began to grow. And he said, and... uh, I'm going to tell you, people, if you really will hear me, if you really will listen to God, here's what I'm going to tell you. That all of a sudden, a child is born, a son is given, and a government should be on his shoulders. Who is he? Wonderful. His name is Wonderful. That's a great name counselor the mighty god the everlasting what the prince of peace is coming he's coming that's who's coming and and, uh, what's going to happen to him he tells us in chapter i think it's 40 and upon him is the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding and he's been anointed by god with the spirit of strength and power and might and what will he do Isaiah says he will uh, raise the dead and he's going to heal the sick and open the eyes of the blind. And Isaiah keeps going on and on, telling about what's going to happen. And then uh, he'll say eventually uh, there is a fountain open for sin. And over in chapter 55, if you're thirsty, come to the water. If you're hungry, come. Drink and eat all you want. There's no price. It's all free. Drink and eat and then let your soul delight itself in fatness. And God told him it's going to be 10%. All right? It's going to be 10%, one out of 10. And so what happens? Yeah, it's true. They all got taken off to, to uh, Babylon. And the place was in ruin. 70 years later, they come back under Ezra and Nehemiah. They start to rebuild. All right? And the old men are crying. I remember the old beautiful temple in Jerusalem, and we're one we're building. It's kind of small. And another one of the prophets, uh, Haggai, said, don't, don't be fussing and whining about it. Jesus gonna walk in this one, not that one. This one. The Master is coming. The King is coming, and I see him coming. He tells him, riding upon an ass, the foal of an ass, and he's coming, and he's coming. What's he seeing? He's seeing Jesus walking, come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. AND SO THE PROPHETS HAD THIS AND ISAIAH IS BY FAR THE BEST AS HE EXPLAINS THE COMING OF CHRIST AND HE GOES BEYOND THAT TO THE SECOND COMING OF CHRIST, ALL RIGHT, AND OF THE INCREASE OF HIS GOVERNMENT THERE SHALL BE NO END UPON THE THRONE OF DAVID the ORDER ESTABLISHED AND HE SHALL REIGN FOREVER AND EVER, THAT'S WHAT CAME FROM ISAIAH, SO SEE WHEN ISAIAH GOT THE JOB of talking to a bunch of people who were not gonna listen who refused to listen and hear uh, he also got the job of uh, tell them there's a hope tell them there's if they believe there's a hope and here's the hope Jesus is gonna come and the Messiah will come and the lion will lay down with the lamb you tell him and tell him what? His was, soul was cut off. He made his soul an offering for sin. And so, this explanation that we have of Isaiah, he rises high with his mouth cleaned, he's seen God. And he had his mouth cleaned, and out of that mouth come the greatest prophecies, most exciting ones there ever were. We did a series on Isaiah 40 through 63, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And we went from one high prophecy to another. And that's where, uh, in that chapter is where he says, uh, uh, if you're weary, come. He said, Come. Uh, let their rest come. Uh, even the young man shall faint, but they that wait upon the Lord what, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as, we, in, wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so in Isaiah, there's this shocking moment. He sees God. He draws back. I'm a sinner. And that's what we all must come to at some time. And sometimes people think, oh, God's good. I talk to him when I need him and let him know. But it's really, the issue is between you and God and me and God and who we are. We're sinful people. And when we see him, we really get a vision of God. We know who he is and it's very much impressed on us, who we are and who we need to be. We need his forgiveness. And so... We have in Isaiah's view these contrasts, all right? God is holy. Isaiah is sinful, all right? God says to him, I want people to reject and die for what they're doing, but go ahead and tell them there's 10%. You could be part of that. And, And so he does. He's always the contrast. And he wasn't allowed to go in but he was allowed Uzziah died when he went in from leprosy but he was able to go in and see the light of God streaming down from heaven into the temple and that was his impression alright next week we'll go to Micaiah who has a vision of God and it's a very strange one take a look at that next week thank you